on TV, online, and on Break This Heart, Say You'll Love Me Again. Ooh, wrong session. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton, and I am learning Swedish, James Hardigan. What? Yeah, I'm learning. I got a really hot Swedish neighbor that lives across the hall from me. So, um... I figured I should learn some Swedish. Joe, they all speak perfect English. You're wasting your time. Well, no, I mean, not if it impresses her. Anyway, coming up on today's show, New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey. It's all I was talking about. Everyone is in New Jersey, except for the one guy who specifically moved there for this reason nine months ago. Joe, I've got an idea on how you can spin this. Yeah. I know that you don't like to present a lie. However, you could say that you were sent to New Jersey to fix things and pave the way for the return of poker stars. And now your work is done. So where do you move on to next? California. Look, if my presence in a state is merely enough to make poker legal there, then I will go to every state in this union if I have to. Anyway, one of the guys that is in New Jersey is Jason Mercier. He will be our guest on today's show because he is cruising toward the final table in the Monaco TV shows that are airing right now. We'll be recapping Monaco 4 with Jason as our guest where they're going to play down to 24, where they have played down to 24, I should say. They're down to 24. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I did a TV show shoot with Phil Hamlet Jr. and Antonio Esfandiari. We bonded. I'll tell you guys a little bit more about that later on. And this week on Superfan vs. Stapes, we've got Sam Werger, whose specialty is friends. Whose specialty is friends. Clap, 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 clap. Oh, yeah, the word friends just sends such a shiver down my spine. It's one of my most hated TV shows of all really? time. Really? Why? I hate it. They're just all smug human beings. And I was just waiting for the day that someone came in to Central Perk and punched them all in their perfect faces. So James Hardigan does not relate to the characters on Friends, really appreciates the characters on The Sopranos. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a complex human being. Look, on the subject of superfans, I have a memo to Patrick SS. And that memo is stop. For the love of God, Patrick, stop. You are clogging up the EPC Not Live timeline. You are tweeting directly at my friend and colleague, Joe Stapleton, with your bloody Taylor Swift memes, and it has to come to an end. Otherwise, we will never consider your application for super fandom, and we may even consider blocking you. There is a very fine line between being super keen and enthusiastic and being annoying. And unfortunately, Patrick... You are moving over the line into the annoying segment of the pie chart. Annoying zone? Yeah, um, I'm surprised you brought this up, actually, James, because I was going to just completely ignore this guy and just tell you to take him off the super fan list. Since you have brought it up, I would say he's not edging toward annoying. He is really fucking annoying. Uh, he also comments a lot on my Facebook and just writes really bizarre things on there all the time. I was getting pretty close to blocking it myself. If he can get his act together, I guess... I guess it's only fair to give someone a final warning before taking the ultimate act. I don't think he's really capable, to be honest. We'll see what happens. James, what good stuff is happening in social media? Well, my key question is, Joe, uh, are we going to have to give last week's sponsor a refund? Did the Stapes reality experience attract any interest from customers? Um, I don't think any interest whatsoever. Now we have had a few people come look at the apartment, but none of them have mentioned the ad specifically. I guess there should have been like a promo code or something in there because maybe that is how they heard about it. But, uh, Jesse said they showed the apartment to a nice Indian family and tomorrow they're showing it to uh, another family. And he says they have our exact like move in requirements like where we're moving out they want to be in like a day or two later so that's looking good for us i also told jesse that he could offer them cash if they take the place <laughs> i was like tell him i'll give them 500 dollars cash if they take it wow a cash back bonus you should have put that in the promo uh, right? gareth taylor commenting on the state's reality experience says it would probably sell quite well on ebay or an infomercial channel well, that's what we were going for. I'll take that. Uh, Dino is up to date. Full back catalogue of EPT Not Live now completed, including a name check in episode 38. Thanks. Just need more now, by which he means more episodes. Well, most weeks you get new episodes, although granted we are taking a hiatus over Easter. Uh, Susie at Susie Poker was delighted. She is smiling from ear to ear 
because the awesome James Hartigan liked my tweet. Hashtag Twitter newbie. Uh, Yeah, because Susie was... He's a married man, Susie! Come on! Susie was grinding on PokerStars play on PokerStars. She was listening to EBC Not Live and catching up with one of our recent live stream replays, so I felt she deserved the little heart on Twitter, what used to be the star, but is now a heart. How can you possibly be paying attention to any one of those things if you're doing all three of those things? She was also she was also driving and landing a helicopter. <laughs> uh, Michael thought it was another great episode. A home game was great. Certainly hope it makes a return. Hashtag would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. He got yes. the reference. Very good. Nice one. Andrew Ford says, I nearly died laughing at how Stapes managed to show up five hours early for an appointment when specifically told not to. Yeah. Uh, I, mm, there was another guy. I don't know if you have that tweet, James. The guy said, like, if I really did that, then I need to like get my life together. And I will say that showing up five hours early isn't necessarily indicative of not having your life together. If I was five hours late, I could see that. But early, I feel like is like it's still stupid, but not that bad. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I think having been specifically told by your agent to make sure you don't arrive any more than five minutes early, because otherwise you're going to annoy people, you kind of (laughs) misheard minutes for hours, clearly. (laughs) Uh, Javier says, after some research, I got the reference from The Shining. I would like to see James Hartigan do more impersonations at EPT Not Live. Wasn't so much an impersonation as just a, a, a nerdy film reference. And to be honest with you, there are plenty of nerdy film references in this podcast, on our live streams, and in our TV shows from all of us. Definitely. But you have sort of touched on something there, my friend, that James is really good at impressions. Unfortunately, he just can't do most of them publicly. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, and yes, the good news is, and To be honest with you, we were seeing a little bit of uh, social media, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a backlash. Uh, I do occasionally keep an eye on the direct messages that come into at EPT Live, and people were getting a little bit anxious, dare I say a little bit angry, about their lack of prizes from the PCA, be that an Atari console that they won, or one of your unwanted Christmas presents. And we did tell people that it takes a long time for that boat to make it all the way from the Bahamas back to the UK. And then the container has got to come off the boat and all of the stuff on board it then be shipped from the port to London. It takes about eight to ten weeks and the stuff has only just arrived. Prizes have now been sent out. But it was getting to the point where people should be grateful that I didn't respond to them. Because do you know what my response would be? Fuck you, I'm taking your prize away. Be patient. I see people on Twitter. They're posting photos of their Atari consoles. Uh, I've got the Sam, the Manic Flea, got my coloring book I didn't want for Christmas. So it's cool seeing the gifts. The uh, the prize is finally coming in. Absolutely. Um, so that was my only. That's the closest I've come, Joe, to having a social media beef. Is the people who are bitching and whining about not getting their prizes. And in all seriousness, I kind of uh, I I. I I appreciate their patience. And yes, it took a long time, um, but they're out there now. Um, Have you had any uh, interactions on any social media platform that you wish to share this week? Yeah, there was actually one guy on Facebook that this week, it's kind of the opposite of a social media beef. It's a dude who wrote to me. Now, granted, I only read like a lot of the really bad things on the air here. And most people just write really awesome stuff all the time on my wall and on my comment section and stuff like that. So I kind of make it seem worse than it is. But this guy particularly stood out and he, he wrote to me very earnestly asking me a question. And I just thought that I would, instead of writing it back on Facebook, I would do it here on EPT Not Live. He says, Hi, Joe. I'm a huge fan of yours, following you regularly. I'm 65, been at the top of my game the last few years, would love to be a pro, but don't have the bankroll yet. I only play small stakes. Usually now I'm determined to play in UKPT London, been itching to play a big live event since my protege Wayne won a free roll to play Jonathan Ross and some stars in a charity tournament at Monte Carlo a couple years back. Now, plan A is to be at your online qualifier, lol. Been close a couple times, no cigar yet, and have another week to try. Should this fail, I'm looking to sell off some of my action to enable me to buy it. You'll hopefully be impressed with my stats, checking the rankings on the ranking site uh, for PokerStars. If you get a chance, I'd appreciate any help or advice from any quarter right now. Hope you can help. If required, yeehaw, mate. Thanks. So this is from a guy named Paul. First of all, Paul, I just wanted to respond here on 
EPT not live rather than on Facebook just to say that I'm not I'm not the kind of I'm not like an action seller or buyer or promoter that kind of thing you won't get from me but you said that you are looking for a little advice so I thought right now I would give you my top five pieces of advice from the book of Joe number one when you're walking with a woman always make sure she's on the side nearest the street not only do you want her there in case a car jumps the curb but you also want to be the closest to the indoors for safety in case some other shit goes down Hmm. number two when going out to dinner with a group of people, try to sit yourself near the smallest people. They're most likely not to finish their food, and you can eat the rest without having to pay for their portions. Good tip. Number three. Yeah, that's a great tip. That's why I always sit near James. No, I'm just kidding. He finishes everything. Tip number three from the Book of Joe. Stick to clear alcohols. They're lower in calories, give fewer hangovers, and they're harder for someone to smell in your breath. Also, they don't stain when you fall asleep with the bottle in your hand. Advice number four. Speaking of sleep, make sure you get at least 16 hours of sleep per day. You don't want being tired getting in the way of you accomplishing your dreams. Plus, how can you dream when you're awake? Duh. And number five. Finally, Paul, my last piece of advice to you. Follow your rainbow. Follow your rainbow, Paul. I had no idea, Joe, that you were a qualified life coach. Yeah, well, I mean, it's clear that I have some experience now, James, uh, after those five pieces of advice. By the way, this is something I'm willing to do from time to time. If anyone else needs any advice on anything, holler at your boy. I'll open up the book of Joe. Whether it's eating other people's food, literally pushing the woman to your right under the bus, it's, (laughs) it's all good. It's all good. It's tried and tested material, James, okay? Speaking of tried and tested materials, James, I had I, I accomplished a dating goal of mine that I didn't even really know was a goal. Um, and I guess kind of like an eating contest at the end of it, I think I probably felt more gross for accomplishing it than I didn't. But I had a L.A. dating app trifecta on St. Patrick's Day. I had a Tinder date in the afternoon, a Bumble date in the evening, and then a late night happen date. I had three dates all in one day, which, I mean, if you think about it, you can tell that I pr- the, pr- the first two didn't go very well. well. Yes, I guess so. You didn't really leave yourself many options, though, did you? Or were you prepared to cancel the other two if date number one had gone correct? No, the only one that was planned was the middle nighttime one. And so we had a spontaneous daytime one that I was like, look, I got nighttime plans. I can only hang out for this long. Then the nighttime one re- ended rather abrupt- abruptly. And so I hollered at one last person and she was like, yeah. And I'll say this, that even though it seems like the night couldn't have gone that well, the third date, we uh, we went to a, a strip club when the bars closed and uh, they were charging me 25 bucks a head to go in the strip club. And she was like, isn't there a couple's discount? And the bouncer's like, yeah, uh, if you want the couple's discount, you've got a kiss for the camera. And so she like the security camera and she just grabbed me and we just had like a quick little makeout session in line for the strip club. So that was a pretty good one. I had, look, I had a good- Hey, ladies and gentlemen, good, romance isn't dead in the year 2016. That's right. Now, to be fair, I've, that girl's never responded to any of my text Story messages. Story checks out. Then. But whatever. James, just really quick, uh, we already talked about, so they showed my apartment a little bit, so I don't have to cover that. I just wanted to do a quick, how much does it cost LA edition with you? Are you ready for this? Okay. Now, I kind of feel I've got some inside information here because you did send me a photograph of the most pretentious coffee shop known to mankind. And so I have got an idea what they charge in LA for ridiculous coffees that no human being in their right mind would ever order. So that's the bar I'm going to set everything against. I'm not sure that um, that the coffee thing will help you, j- except just to know that where you go, when you go to like the rich white people stores in L.A., they will treat you like a rich white person. So, all right, so there's a there's a grocery store down the street from my house. It's called Gelson's. It's the fancy grocery store. It's fancier than Waitrose even. Okay, it's so like, it's like uh, Whole Foods, right? It's like Whole Foods, yeah, uh, but maybe even somehow like a little more. Okay. It's like a regular grocery store. Just everything costs more, so that way like regular people don't go there. Okay. So I bought three things at yep. this grocery store. I bought a small tray of watermelon, 
probably about uh, like uh, three three pounds of watermelon. Sorry, is that is that a unit of weight or as in a value of money? It's, well, it would be a unit of weight because I'm trying to get you to, to guess the well, value. I thought you were trying to get me to work out the com- exchange rate because I don't actually no. know what it is right now. I'm sorry. It was 0.6 stone of watermelon. <laughs> do, do grams and kilos, please. Um, I don't know. Let's just say it was... Uh, how ma- okay, how much of a melon? Was it half a melon, a third of a melon? Well, it was a watermelon, so it's hard to tell how much. It was like a kilo and a half, let's say. Okay, right. Um, a bottle of cold-pressed orange juice. Cold-pressed OJ. And I mean like a like a refrigerator-sized bottle, not uh, not a single serving. Uh, what do you reckon, about one liter, 1.5 liters? Let's say, uh, I think it's probably half a gallon, so whatever that is. What the fuck is that? It's like you forgot how to speak American all of a sudden with me being gone. Um, I, like, uh, what, what is it? A liter? Two, two liters? Maybe. Okay, so so large. That that's this large size. Yeah, it's a big orange juice. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the third thing I got was a uh, you know they have like a chili bar there, and it was like a to go container of chili. Um, and that the biggest one they have, you know, for like okay, a single large serving. a large yeah. portion of chili. Okay, large so this is chili. this is the posh supermarket. Now, obviously, if you actually yeah. bought a watermelon itself, that's going to be considerably cheaper. If someone's gone to the effort of slicing the watermelon for you and putting it in packaging, they're going to charge you an absolute premium. So I'm going to say that your watermelon was uh, three dollars and ninety nine cents. Okay. The cold pressed orange juice, I reckon that's probably a dollar more. I'm going to say that was four ninety nine. Okay. And your chili to go, I'm going to say was five ninety nine. Okay, so that you're locked in at those prices. Do you want me to start with the total, or do you want me to go piece by piece? Piece by piece, please. Okay, we'll go back to your uh, your guess of three ninety nine for watermelon. Yeah. The watermelon was in fact seventeen dollars. Fuck off. Um, now maybe you underestimated the weight of it, but it was it was six dollars a pound for the watermelon, and there's uh, there's every kilo has one point four pounds or something. I may well have underestimated just how much watermelon. I was thinking of like you know it's like a fruit salad style portion, but clearly that that is that is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. The bottle of cold pressed orange juice. Yeah, ten dollars. This is just, this is insane. So what are we up to? We're at a 27, right? And the chili was $11. Making my grand total for three items, which amounted to about a meal and a half for me, $38. Wow. And I thought everything in America was so much cheaper. I thought so too. I was like, man, what the hell's going on? I moved back here. Everything's supposed to be cheaper. What the fuck is happening in my grocery (laughs) store? Well, talking of places that are expensive, if you're watching TV right now, if you're checking out Pokestars.tv on a weekly basis, you'll know that we were in Monaco last May, and those highlight shows from last season's grand final are now airing. TV Recap. And it was episode four of seven. If you're watching in the UK last night on Channel 4, if you missed it and you are in the UK and Ireland, head to channel4.com slash poker to catch up. If you're anywhere else in the world, the show is available right now at pokerstars.tv. So this show was the start of day four. I think there are around 35 players left. They are playing down to the final three tables, down to the final 24. And as we observed in the link at the start, which made some bizarre references um, to the Passion of the Christ, um, slightly more <laughs> obscure than the Craig David link, and arguably not as funny or as successful. Um, it was a field which is kind of mixed. There's some new names in there, but obviously still a lot of talent left in the field, and two of those big names were two of the guys from the grand final of Season 9, Jason Mercier and Johnny Lodden, who were both on the main stage, and obviously fared different fortunes. Um, it went pretty well for Johnny, it didn't go so well for Jason. Yeah, it was actually really brutal what happened to Jason. And uh, I guess since we're talking about a show that's already aired, we can spoil it, right? Absolutely. I mean, I figure the event happened last May. The TV show's already out there. So I'm hoping if people are listening to this particular segment of the podcast, they're already aware, if not of the TV show, then at least of the actual outcome of the event itself. 
Yeah, so, uh, spoiler, uh, Jason doesn't make it through the show, which I sadly wish had happened to the link at the top, um, which, you know, James, you mentioned. I just, that one, I watch it back, and I'm like, what were we thinking? What, I mean, what what were we thinking? How did that even... It at least looked good with us walking down the hill. That's the worst part about it, is that it looks really good, and yet we're talking this absolute shite on the, all the way down. It's freaking weird. You know what it is? Is that when you're doing multi-day coverage, which we're not going to have to worry about for a little while, for TV links at least, is that you're like, okay, it's Johnny Laden and Jason again. Johnny Laden and Jason again. What other story is there? And this was a day where like the story didn't progress that much between like day three and day four, so we kind of needed to just sort of be silly for a little bit. Now, what sucks about this episode is that Jason Mercer goes out, but what's cool is the char- the new characters that come on board for the next episode get even like even more interesting somehow. Yeah, we got the little feature about Koichi Nizaki, who I, we're both big fans of, for sure. Um, interestingly, no one commented on the sketch, but bizarrely, someone did comment on Twitter on the skit, which rarely, if ever, happens. Matthew tweeted last night, lol at Stapes with the gold bar. Yeah, that was actually really nice that somebody noticed that 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 day. I think I told you already, uh, everybody already. But I was like going through some stuff that day, and then I had to like run around that casino square in Monaco and like try to improv a bunch of shit. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is never going to be funny." So the gold bar stuff, I actually really like. And again, I got to credit the editors for that because they probably had to cut around a lot of us not being very funny. That because you were sick, right? Yeah, this is the time when I was at the Fairmont having my uh, Irish coffee. I particularly yeah. enjoy where the taxi driver plays along when you're basically trying to say that you know if I give you the gold bar, maybe you can give me like five thousand euros in change. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I've only got four thousand five hundred in change. I know that I didn't know what to do because I was like, not not allowed to be funny. Other people <laughs> throwing off comedy. Uh, Eggers was a fan of last night's show. James Spuddy Watts uh, was very impressed with the uh, with the field, with the quality of names left in the tournament. And obviously you'll get to see the final 24 play down to the final 16 next week when episode 5 airs. But yeah, um, I was particularly impressed with the lineup that we had on the feature table on the show. Headlined... As we said, by two guys who made the final table of this tournament a couple of years ago, two guys who are members of Team Pro, Johnny Lodden and Jason Mercier. And I'm pleased to say that we can speak to one of those players because joining us from New Jersey is the Merce Dog himself. Hello, Jason. Hey, guys. How are you? Jason, I'm, I'm doing awesome. Jason, I got to ask you about um, Monaco from last year because that's the TV show we're talking about. We'll, go, we'll get to New Jersey in a minute. Sure. Um, Last year, you went pretty deep in Monaco, and the thing is, it feels like you've done that so many times that like, I'm kind of confused. Like, I don't know how many times it's been. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was a little confused, actually, uh, when I heard that I, I needed to talk about it. I was like, oh, you mean, <laughs> you mean when I w- was at the final table? And they were like, no, like when you busted 20-something. And I was like, what? That happened last year? I, I had a uh, hard time remembering it actually myself. That it, that makes me so happy because that's kind of how I feel about it. But I figure for you, since it happened to you, do you <laughs> think that? Do you think that maybe your your memory of that is like not you know super vibrant because you've been to so many final tables or you've been twenty something plays so many times and now it's like for it to be super memorable, you got to you know make a final table or win or something. I, I think so. I, I think also, like, just the more live poker that I play in each year that goes on of playing, uh, it just becomes harder to rem- remember everything. It's like, I, I feel like when you ask Daniel, like, when random people are like, oh, I played with you, like, Daniel never remembers anything. Right. You know? So, and I think that that's just because he's done it for like 20 years straight. So, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think that I'm just starting to get to that point of like everything start starting to just blur together. But what Daniel is excellent at doing is saying, oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, you're that guy. We played that <laughs> hand. It's like, yeah, yeah. And he makes them feel like he did remember. See, that's what you right. got to do, Jason. you got to own it. Yeah, I got to practice the, uh, the lying, I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's actually... It's super funny that you said that because I was going to make a joke about you going out last year. Do you remember going out in 25th place? And then I, I was hoping you would catch me and be like, it's 27th. 
Oh, I, yeah, I don't know what place it was, but I, I do remember going out just because I was able to uh, actually, you know, Natasha, my girlfriend, reminded me, and then I remembered. I was like, Monaco, Maine, what? She was like, yeah, you were deep. Remember you and Mustafa were at the featured table, and you lost with nines to fives. And yep. I was like, oh, God, I do remember that. He turned to five. Yeah. I'm so unlucky. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty star-studded feature table. Um, you're playing against Mustafa Kanat, you're playing against Johnny Lodden, you're playing against Ludovic Geilich. I think Adrian Mateos was up on the main stage as well. Yes, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Chidwick was there as well. Stevie 444. And I guess it's not that the pressure's on, but I always feel really bad when you're up on the feature table and we're following your story, Johnny as well, about whether you guys can make it back to the final table for the second time in three years. And then the minute we put you on the main stage, it literally turns to shit as you said yourself you lost two flips you lost an 80 20 and you're gone but what i found fascinating jason is that you seem to take it really hard now i understand that because you've just busted the grand final in monaco in horrible fashion but having played poker for so long i find it fascinating that those situations where you get it in good and someone sucks out on you you still take it quite hard yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's just being competitive, you know, it's honestly in like, if it was a cash game situation, I think I'm, I'm much less, uh, you know, tilted or upset. But when it's a tournament, you know, you're just like fighting so hard to like win the whole thing that, you know, you come up short, it, it, you know, coming up short feels like a failure. So, um, Especially when you when you're like tasting the chance for victory, you know you're like almost there. You're three tables away. So, um, yeah, I mean, especially when you get it in good, and you, it's just like you lose three hands in a row where you're all in. Uh, it makes it a little a little more uh, extra frustrating. You know, when Jason says all this about being competitive and tasting victory, I actually believe him. Like there's a lot of people that say stuff like that. I'm like, nah, I don't really, I don't really buy this, but I believe it coming from you, Jason. <laughs> there was uh, there was an interview you did at the beginning of the show where you end up saying, you know, it's one of those sit down interviews, and you say something like, um, "Yeah, I feel like I need to redeem myself." And what I want to know is, did you really feel like that, or is that something you're like, ah, I know, I got to give a good interview here. Uh, I don't. I'm not even sure what you're talking about. But if I if I said I needed to redeem myself, I probably meant it. Just because, you know, the coming up short at the final table the year before. So, you oh, know, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I got seventh place and, you know, I really felt like I had a good chance to win the tournament. You know, I had a good amount of chips with like maybe 10 or 11 people left and ended up like going into the final table short and just didn't feel like I really played my best or made the most of, of the opportunity that I had. So, um, yeah, you know, you're always looking to do better than you've done in previous years. And, uh, you know, if you get second in a, in a tournament, the next year that you play that tournament, you're like, I want to win, you know, and make up for not winning last year. That's so ridiculous. I would definitely never even be like, yeah, well, I guess I got to win this year. Like, I'm just not that crazy. <laughs> I can completely understand, Jason, why, to a certain degree, the EPC 11 Grand Final was a bit of a blur, because it was last May. It's fresher in our memories, because obviously we've just experienced doing the TV shows from that event. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Joe and I have remembered in approaching the material fresh is how much fun Koichi Nozaki was. The amateur, the Japanese player, having the time of his life. Do you remember that guy? Uh, I do, only because I, I was able to, to watch a little bit of the footage uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, um, but if, you, if I hadn't, I would, I would have had no recollection. But yeah, he, seemed, he seems like a real character. The moral of the story, James, is that you got to be super memorable for Jason Mercier to remember you. Now you got to do. You got to light him on fire. Yeah. You got <laughs> to beat him. You know, straight flush versus quads. You got to do something to stick in this kid's memory. I mean, obviously, when Natasha refreshed your memory about you losing with nines against fives, did you remember who had the fives? Yeah, I remember because I I know the guy uh, Ludovic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like. I, I had seen him. That was, I think that might have been my first time playing against him, but I had seen him on some of the uh, EPT shows, and I knew that he was a, a bit of a wild, a wild man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was like, you know, 
fist pump calling that there with nines and uh, was really upset, obviously, you know, to lose to a smaller pair. Well, here's some breaking news then for, for the listeners. A couple of weeks ago, Jason, we tried to get Ludovic on the show to talk about uh, the Monaco Grand Final, and he basically went AWOL and let us down. We're giving him another chance. Oh, so in God. a couple of weeks' time, when we record the next episode of EPT Not Live, we're going to try again to chat to Ludovic Gylik about the EPT 11 Grand Final. <laughs> All right. Well, if you need help tracking him down, I, I know some of his friends. So... Is he in New is he in New Jersey right now with you, Jason? Uh, he I I don't think he is, but he was in. I saw him in Las Vegas uh, when I was there a few days ago. Yeah, James. He he won something at the win. I think like the night <laughs> the night he bailed on us. I believe he is still in Las Vegas, Joe. So he's in your part of the world. Although ironically, I think in two weeks' time you're going to be back in London, so you won't be able to corral him in person. No, well, I, I mean, there's no chance of corralling that dude. Anyway, I was only asking if he's in New Jersey because I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk to Jason about New Jersey. Of course. What's it like so far playing online there? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if this is good for me to talk about. But I played uh, at the actual launch. Like, uh, I played a $500 heads up sit and go uh, because there was just like an account, you know, sitting there waiting for me. Uh, and then I found out who it was and, uh, it's actually a, like a well-known pro, uh, friend of mine and I ended oh, up beating him. So, uh, yeah. And then he was actually pretty pissed cause I didn't accept like, you know how you can accept the challenge again to play the same person. Sure. I, I declined the match and he was pretty <laughs> upset. <laughs> so, but that's actually the only playing I've done while I've been here. What's hey? Why are you stuck with that dog all the time? Is that yours or Natasha's? <laughs> <laughs> he's both. He's both of ours. It's my son. So when he's like in every single photo of yours, that's by your choice and not because you've been forced to babysit the dog by your girlfriend who's like out having fun. Uh, no, she's almost always taking the picture. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean I. I actually, I, I really love the dog, and uh, he he sits like it, when I'm playing poker now. He pretty much sits like in between my lower back and the and the back of the chair, and just chills there. It, it, it's is actually, that not annoying to you? It's good for my posture, man. It makes me <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> so it's awesome. So it's almost like a service dog. That's why you get to bring it everywhere. Like, excuse me. Well, uh, no, I can bring this dog in this restaurant. It's a posture dog. Yeah, he is a service dog, and now we actually have a real uh, service, a real reason <laughs> for him to be a service. He's a posture dog. How long are you planning on being in New Jersey for, Jason? Because the other Jason, Mr. Somerville, who we spoke to last week, is like streaming for two months, isn't it? Yeah, he uh, he moved here, basically, to be able to do that. Um, I'm going to be here for another 30 hours. I'm leaving tomorrow evening to go to Florida where I have just not really spent, I think we're, we're on like day 85 of uh, 2016. I've been in Florida for maybe 10 or 11 days of that. So I'm going to spend the next month in Florida um, seeing my family and hopefully relaxing a bit. And also there's the WPT championship is there. Um, at the Hard Rocks, so I'm going to get to also play um, a series of tournaments while I'm there. I like how uh, Jason made it sound to... like it was going to be just like 30 days of having a real life, and he's like, oh, and also the WPT championships. So. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be there for like two weeks without playing much poker, and then I'm going to be playing a lot of poker for two weeks probably uh, before going to obviously the EPT Grand Finals to see you guys. Hey. Jason, one uh, one last question before we play a game was I saw you tweeted like a couple weeks ago. You were like leaving L.A. and you heard there was like a good game running and you mm. turned around five minutes away from the airport to go back and play in the game. Yes. What kinds of other things would you miss for like that game? Like would you miss like a third tier friend's wedding? Would you miss <laughs> a third tier like, friend? Like your fourth child's baptism, um, like what? How? Like what? What? What's something that you would have not turned around for? Like front row tickets to a 
to a Canes, I don't know, whatever whatever team you I like. I don't know, just team. like pretty much any type of commitment that I have with friends or family, you know, or or poker stars. <laughs> I <Yeah>. probably <laughs> so those three things. Uh, you know, I probably would not change plans to just go play a poker game. Um, but I was like going to the airport to fly to Vegas to play. Uh, tournaments the next day and I was like you know what let's just go back to the commerce play and then go to Vegas like later tonight or in the morning so the so, only thing you you skipped was other poker so it wasn't exactly. like you bailed on anything real okay well I think Jason you know I, I wanted to play do you even Jersey bro with you which is this game we we played last week with Lee and Jason Somerville but we all know how you do on, on trivia so we had to Badly. come up with something <laughs> we had do you even Jersey? Is that what you said? See, yeah. look, you can't even figure out the name, Joe. Move on. No, I know that's why. I w no, I've got a different game for you, Jason. Uh, it's no, really no. easy. You've heard of it before. You just sort of explain your philosophy on it. We're just going to play a quick game of who loves it more. Okay, I'm going to read you two names. You have to tell me who loves it more. Okay, no problem. All right, here we go. Jason Mercier or Phil Hellmuth? Who loves what? Poker more? Who loves it more? Me. No, oh, I'm so sorry. Phil Hellmuth loves it more. Question two. Alexander oh, Hamilton. Right, wrong? I thought it was my opinion. Nope, it's a right or wrong. Alexander Hamilton or Alexander Graham Bell? Who loves it more? Uh, Alexander Hamilton. Correct. Alexander Hamilton. Next. A dolphin trainer or a revolutionary war soldier? Who loves it more? A uh, dolphin trainer. Correct. Next question. Who loves it more, the assistant manager of the Radio Shack in Altadena, California, or the assistant manager of the Yogurtland in Charleston, South Carolina? Yogurtland. Correct. Wow. You got the first one. I would, you know, I would have said Phil Hummuth if I had known it was your answers, not my own. No, it's not my answers. It's the answers. This here we go. is sorry. freaking me out sorry. because Jason seems to have a complete grasp of this game, and I'm sitting here in a <laughs> world of confusion. <laughs> Jason. Jason, who loves it more, Bay or Boo? Boo. Boo loves it more. Oh, he's crushing it. Here we go, Jason. Who loves it more? John or Paul from the Beatles? Paul. Correct. John or Paul from the Apostles? John. Yes. Oh, my God. He's holding out here. Who loves it more, Rick Springfield or Corey Hart? Corey Hart. Corey Hart, he wears his sunglasses tonight. And he loves it more. Last question, Jason Mercier. Who loves it more, Vincent Van Gogh or Tommy Bahama? Uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, no. Sorry, Tommy Bahama. Oh, <laughs> stop, though, Jason Mercer. You only got two wrong. No fucking idea what was going on there. But, Jason, you <laughs> won with a score of 7-2. So, well wow. done. Mm. Good job, Jason Mercer. I think I should have... Uh, all right, it should be 7-1 because the Phil Helmuth one should not count. Or I should get credit for it. I'll tell you what, I'll give you that for a practice. That was a practice question. We'll throw that question out altogether. Okay, in that case, the final score is 7 1. Either way, it's a win for Jason Mercier. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. You're a good sport. We love you, buddy. Hey, love you guys too. Too hot for TV. For TV. Yeah, so this isn't exactly too hot for TV, but I got to do a TV show where me and Phil Helmuth and Antonio Esfandiari are like sitting at a desk together, sort of doing poker commentary, sort of hosting a TV show. I'm not really sure what it's going to turn out looking like, but the really cool thing about this show is that me and Antonio and Phil end up making basically a prop bet during every episode. We, it's, a, it's a poker tournament show, and what we do is we, we all pick a horse. And right. whatever guy's horse is like, whichever two guys' horses don't win or like finish the worst, have to end up doing a prop bet. Uh, Phil Helmuth ends up having to eat frog's legs. Two of the three of us get eggs smashed in our faces. Uh, this is all, you know, not not live on the air, but pre-taped on the air. So there's going to be some really fun stuff here. Some stuff that I assume people are going to really enjoy. And Phil and Antonio were awesome. I was like, I thought it was going to be like another. Um, challenge tapes type of thing where i'm like yeah no the other people aren't going to be able to do this right they're like the ch whatever the forfeits are they're like phil Helmy's never going to let an egg get smashed in his face they came in totally down for whatever the challenges were so you will see some of that coming up um i became pals with antonio and phil though we like really bonded 
over these uh it was like a two-day shoot i mean you know both these guys you've worked with them before right i don't think i was on antonio's radar at all like i don't think he has a clue and in fact when we started getting kind of buddy buddy i had to be i was like antonio do you um do you ever watch the ept or shark cage coverage he's like no never i've never seen it and i was like Okay, good. Because, like, I'm not always super kind to Antonio. And he's like, I hope you're nice to me. And I was like, I'm fair with you. Um, and it was really weird. So you know how Antonio's got this reputation kind of for being, like, a little condescending. And Phil's got this reputation for having a gigantic ego. And yeah. the two of them in the same room together was amazing because it was like – Antonio would condescend and Phil would have no radar for it whatsoever and just think that Antonio was complimenting him constantly. And I'm sitting in between these two and it's fucking amazing watching this go down live. So at one point, Phil is like off on this like name dropping tirade that Antonio is so it was me, Antonio, and Phil just having lunch, the three of us. And Antonio gets so sick of it that he has to leave. He like gets up and leaves the table and leaves me alone with Phil. And I decide at this point to actually just kind of call Phil out and like now Phil and I know each other, not super well, but we've known each other for a long time and you know, we're, we're fans of each other. And I was like, Phil, what's with all the name dropping stuff? I mean, what, like you got, you, it's crazy. The amount of names you just dropped in this story. And he actually ends up like kind of confessing to me a little bit and being like, I know it too much. Like I know, like I just, I'm just so excited about life and about things that are happening. And I know I do this too much. And he's like, He's like, I, I actually, I thought it was becoming so much of a problem that I decided to call a friend to talk about it. So I called Michael Phelps and, went, <laughs> and it was like, I couldn't even fucking believe my ears that in the middle of a story about how he might name drop too much, he actually name drops the celebrity friend that he called for help. And I'll just say this off the top of my head. Here are the names that he dropped in this story. I don't think I got all of them, but here we go. Okay. Desmond Howard, Michael Phelps, Charles Barkley, Barack Obama, Denny Hamlin, Jim Harbaugh, Steve Martin, Jay-Z, Steph Curry, Emeril Lagasse, Mike Ditka, and Nelly. <laughs> this was all in a 10-minute conversation. That is amazing. And the I thing is, I absolutely love the dude, and like he just... Now, to me, Phil's got a special place in my heart. To me, he's a child, and I hope that's not a, that's not offensive to him. He's like a 13 or a 14 year old boy. He's like really excited about everything, and I I appreciate that lust for life because it hasn't gotten old for him yet. But this name dropping story was crazy. I actually really wanted to take us make a song parody uh, of what is it uh, from Butch Cassidy? Ra name drops keep falling on my head. <laughs> But uh, I know we couldn't afford the song. But anyway, I had, a, I had a blast with those two. Became pals. Antonio's like, Stapleton, I think it's time. I need your phone number. So now, like, Antonio will, like, text me occasionally. Wow. Uh, I brought Lee up to him. I was like, I, you're really good pals with someone on our crew. Lee goes, oh, my God, Lee. I love Lee. Um, so apparently that's not a myth. He does really love Lee. Did you break the news to him that Lee is no longer on our crew? I don't think I did. I don't think I did tell him. I couldn't do it. Couldn't break his heart. Well, it's great because you can tell him that and then you can assume that place in his I'm life. I'm the new Lee. Absolutely. So I'm just waiting for the yacht invitation or, you know, the the limo ride to the helicopter ride to Monaco, whatever, man. I'll I'll let you guys know whenever I'm whenever I'm hanging with Antonio. Well, talking of Monaco, which, of course, is coming up in just over a month's time. As we go into the lobby on EPT Not Live, Joe, last week. We talked about this new innovation, the uh, EPT Grand Final Spin and Go. It's a 10 euro spin and go, which most of the time we know is going to be a 2x multiplier. It's going to give you the chance to win 20 euros. But some of the time, a very small percent of the time, it's going to give you the chance to win a package to the Grand Final in Monaco worth 9,000 euros. That's buy-in, hotel, and travel expenses. And I think I said last week, wouldn't it be great if we got like four or five people who managed to qualify for the grand final via this route. And you said, yeah, they'd automatically be on our radar. We'd give them a shout-out. Maybe they'd be our online qualifier. Oh, God, how many was it? Well, the promotion <laughs> has been running now for nearly two weeks. Okay. And in the first 13 days, 65 people have qualified to the EPT 12 grand final via a spin-and-go. Making that up, is awesome. Making up a third of the total number of qualifiers coming to Monaco at the end of and April. We, and we've got like another month, right? This promotion runs until the 10th of April, so that's pretty much two weeks left to run. 
uh, on these 10 euro buy-ins, spin and goes, I would not be surprised. I'm going to revise my estimate rather dramatically from five to 100. I think it would be incredible if we had 100 extra qualifiers because I think these are people who probably wouldn't go through any other qualification route on PokerStars. These are people who just wouldn't be there. These are seats that wouldn't be filled if this particular format didn't exist. And that's amazing if we add an extra 100 players to what's already a smaller field than we see in usual EPT main events thanks to this innovation. Yeah, I, you, you got to figure that the, the Venn diagram that encompasses people who would typically satellite in versus people who are going to satellite in via spin and go can't be super overlapping. I'm sure there's Very some. Thin. Very thin. Yeah, I'm sure there's some, but not that many at all. So you're right. And what I, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tall order to figure out who the online qualifier is going to be if we have 100 online qualifiers. It is pretty incredible. So 65 at the moment. Hopefully we can get to 100 uh, in the next two weeks. I'm hoping we can get more than that, let's be honest. Uh, but I'm going to keep my estimate conservative, just not as ridiculously unrealistically conservative as it was last week. More good news, Joe, because I do consider this to be a, a really good thing. Um, I did get a memo from our friend David Curtis yesterday, and we are both in to the UKIPT London Cup, which is yeah, taking place right, cool. over the weekend of the 9th and 10th of April. So this happening a bit sooner than the EPT Grand Final. The UKIPT Festival running at the Hippodrome Casino in Leicester Square. Satellites running on Pokestars for the £1,000 buy-in main event, but... I'm sorry, the £770 main event should point out that it's a bit cheaper than it has been in the past. But what Joe and I will be playing is the London Cup, which is £330. It's a two-day event. There are, I'm just looking at the schedule now, there are two flights. So day one is April the 9th, that's the Saturday. Flight 1A is at noon. Flight 1B is at 6pm. I'm tempted to go for the noon flight myself, Joe, because I think it's going to be um, less busy. And also, not being funny, I get woken up at 6.15 every day, so I'd rather just get on with it and be there at noon. Uh, and they play down to 15% of the field in both those flights, and then the players that remain come back for day two on Sunday, the 10th of April, playing down to a champion. I'm down for the noon flight to play also, but I kind of want to give people the chance to come down and say hi, even if they're not playing, so I guess they got to come for breakfast or something, huh? they got to come for 11 not necessarily. Maybe if they're turning up for the uh, evening flight, I'm not saying we can't hang around afterwards. Uh, let's let's be optimistic. Let's say we survive flight 1A. Let's say we're in that top 15%. Then we can stick, stick around for a couple I'll of hours. I'll tell you what. I'd say that sounds like a good idea. Because uh, even if I go broke, like let's say we start at noon and I'm broke at 145, I'll stick around, have some drinks. People want to come by, come say hi to us between the flights. James and I would play the first flight. You guys can come on down any point, grab us during a break, whatever, or if you want to have a quick drink in between the two flights before your flight starts, that sounds pretty good. So come on down to say hi to me and James on that Saturday, April 9th. Will be great to say hello to some super fans in person. Oh, and talking of super fans. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So after last week when we woke up poor Aidan Dunn in the middle of the night, we return to the familiar shores of the United Kingdom and a more reasonable time of day and say hello to Sam Werger in Sheffield. Although, Sam, you nearly overslept and missed this chance to win some prizes. That's down to my job, I think. I don't finish till late, so this is early for What's me. your job, Sam Werger? Uh, I work in security, so I was working in a nightclub last night. You're a, you're a doorman, like a bouncer at a nightclub? Yeah, I mean, they do event security, though, so... Oh, man, I can't believe I was just messing with a dude that would probably... Are you got, like, lots of tattoos and stuff? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I'm probably not even that hard, really. What's the last time you threw somebody out of uh, a club? Last night. <laughs> what, were, what were they doing? Um, drunk. <laughs> Nothing major last night. Joe, Joe, it's Northern England. People get kicked out of nightclubs on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. Yeah, but if you kicked them out for being drunk, nobody fucking be there. <laughs> there. There's levels of drunkenness. There's, like, completely blotto, and then it gets to the kind of, like, they've lost all control of their bodily functions, and that's the point that they're then ejected from the club. Had this guy made a mess? Yeah, pretty mess. 
Sam, there are a lot of Sams who listen to EPT Not Live. There are a lot of Sams who watch our live streams and TV shows. Uh, tell us a bit more about yourself in the sense that what's your poker journey? Um, well, I've been playing poker a couple of years. Uh, my mate introduced me when I started uni, um, went to Poker Society, which I'm now president of. So um, last two years, I've really gotten into it. Watch you guys every time. Uh, watch all the things, play online, play at Pokestars. Thank you. Uh, and of course, Sam, in addition to being a super fan of the EPT, you're also a super fan of the TV show Friends. Uh, Joe and I have already discussed that I am not a fan of the show. As such, the question compiling has been outsourced this week to oh, okay. a friend of Ben, the producer. Have these questions at least been vetted? Do we know the question? The answers are 100% accurate. Yes, I'm getting a firm nod from beyond the glass. Um, so the answers that are written down in front of me will be final even though I have no clue myself as to what would the correct answer be. Uh, and Sam, as you are the super fan, you get to go first as we play with, and everyone loves a Chop Pot t-shirt, and a 27 euro Step C ticket on the line, Superfan versus Stapes. Superfan versus Stapes. So question one, Sam, what is the full name of Ross's ex-wife Carol's partner? Ooh. Hmm. Come on. Yeah, I failed, I failed on this already. I don't... Um, I don't think he's going to get it. <laughs> Joe, I'm going to give you the chance to steal. Do you know the full name of Ross's ex-wife Carol's partner? Jessica Hex. Is incorrect. The answer was Susan Bunch. Okay, just so you know, though, Jessica Hecht is the name of the person that played the character, so, you know. Yeah, just, I didn't ask for the uh, actor, I asked you, for the I, character. You said, name. what is the full name? What is that supposed to mean to me? It's clearly talking about the character, otherwise I would have said David Schwimmer, not Ross. I I'm contesting it. It's under, it's under protest. And your protest has been denied. So, your question, Joe, you can still go 1-0 up in the first round. What is Chandler's Bete Noir the Weenus an acronym for? Pet Noir, the weenus is an acronym. I have no idea. Sam, you can steal for a point. Hmm. No idea, for to be honest. Well, this is going well. <laughs> Weekly estimated net usage systems. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck that is. Okay, Sam, this is your second question, and this is about actors rather than characters. Which actor played ugly naked guy seen briefly in two episodes? I'm really bad with actors. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I don't know. Pass. Okay, Joe, do you know? John Lovitz. Incorrect. Now, there is a bonus question attached to this. The actor, by the way, is Mike Haggerty. Uh, the bonus question, which I will give to you first, superfan Sam. Who did he also play in the Friends universe? <laughs> um... No, pass. I don't know. I just... Okay, Joe, you can steal. Gunther. No, he played Mr. Trigger, the building superintendent for Monica's building. This is some pretty specific trivia. Yeah. <laughs> well, when someone says they're a super fan of something, we come up with expert questions. I did say I was probably going to be showing up on the fact that I said I was a super fan. <laughs> Joe. Your second question. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't he say you're uh, you're a super fan of throwing people out of clubs? Then you'd be fucking crushing this. <laughs> Joe, for how many episodes? It's the worst case scenario. You can just guess. Oh, for how God. many episodes did Joey and Chandler and Monica and Rachel switch apartments? Four. Incorrect. You can steal for a point. Seven. Oh, so close. It was eight. Why isn't it always coming seven? What the fuck? Uh, I, maybe the writers of Friends, all 286 of them, didn't get the memo. <laughs> Your next question, Sam. What rumour did Ross start about Rachel when they were at school? Um, who's clicking? Who's I typing? Re I remember. <sighs> no. Um. 
I'm going to pass it over to Joe simply because I haven't got all day. Joseph, do you know? She had a third nipple. No, it was that she had both male and female genitalia and her parents had to flip a coin to decide what she would be. Ah. Even Giles got that one. Okay, I believe this is your question, Joe. Someone yeah. please score a point. What was the original name of Friends pre-pilot? These friends of mine. Incorrect. You can steal. Super fan, Sam. Oh, <laughs> I really should have chosen a better subject to know more about. Um, mates. <laughs> no, it was six of one. Do you know what? We're moving to sudden death now. The first person to get a question correct wins. Sam, your question. Which eminent sitcom Helma directed the pilot episode of Friends? Ugh. Yeah, pass. I don't, I'm rubbish with stuff like that. <laughs> Sam is rubbish at knowledge of the sitcom Friends, which he chose as a special <laughs> subject. Joe, do you know? James Burroughs? Correct! Joe scores a point, and there's your one chance. This is your one chance, Sam. One time. Can I use my one time? Here's your one time. I'm going to give you one more question. If you don't get this correct, if you can't at the very least tie the game, you have lost, my friend. That's how it what works. What kind of monkey was Ross's pet Marcel? What type of monkey was Marcel? Type of monkey? Oh, my God. I could have told you his name. <laughs> it was easy. Um... What are types of monkeys? Um, uh, I don't even know what types Sam, of monkeys do you, are. Do you ever drink coffee? Do you ever drink like a coffee with like whipped up milk on it? Uh, drink coffee, yeah. Yeah. Do you, ever get, <laughs> do you ever get? Do you ever get the kind with like a bunch of steamed milk on the top? No. That no. macchiato. Awesome. No, it's not a macchiato <laughs> monkey. Joe, put him out of his misery. Crystal, which is the name of the real the, the monkey's real name, who played Marcel, is a capuchin monkey. I think it's fair to say, Joe, that you have outshone our superfan this week. Now, Sam, it's not all bad. You do get the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt, but in all honesty, as much as we like the superfans to win, we can't, even out of the goodness of our hearts, give you a 27-euro Stepsy ticket. I oh. think you know you made a mistake in picking the subject. I just wanted to come on the show, to be honest. <laughs> Sam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a consolation prize. I'm going to tell you a, a, what I found was a pretty funny Friends anecdote. Now, the reason I know about the monkeys is because I used to work on a TV show that would hire animals, and Crystal the Capuchin was around a couple times. I got a couple photos with Crystal, but there was one time that I went to a taping of Friends, and um, I don't remember what episode it was, but these girls that were in front of me, they were like being like, Jennifer, Jennifer, we love you. We love you. And I was like, what idiots. What idiots those girls are. That's so lame. Like, who cares? Like, who cares about these stars? And then, like, maybe a minute later, Jennifer Aniston looks in my direction and waves at me. And I immediately just go, hey, Jennifer, hi. Hey. Oh, my God. Hi. Thanks for saying hi. And so not only did I completely contradict myself, but also she was saying hello to someone sitting behind me. She wasn't even <laughs> waving at me. So anyway, that's my that's my one friend's anecdote. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Sam. Sorry I couldn't win. Does. You got your wish. You got to be on the show. Right, and yes. you're going to get the T-shirt as well. Thank you very much, Sam. Cheers. All right, guys, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. We're back in two weeks. Are we taking a week off for Easter? What's happening? Uh, I'm doing that classic middle-class thing and going skiing. Oh, that's amazing. Say hi to all the other white people. Also, in two weeks, we're going to be giving Angus McWienerschnitzel another shot. Yeah, he awesome. does feel really bad about letting us down, as we said when we were on with Jason Mercia earlier on. So hopefully we can get Ludo's lowdown on last year's grand final. Uh, we're going to have uh, the next two Monaco shows to talk about. You said there's seven shows total, James. That's so we're going right. to have five and six. Five and six to recap. Those shows will be airing on Channel 4 on Tuesday nights. They're available for everyone else in the rest of the world to see the very next day at Pokestars.tv. New episodes every Wednesday. 
And our super fan is this super NES guy with the blue check mark that caused that thug life moment between <laughs> me and James in Dublin. You'll finally and get to find out, Joe, from the horse's mouth how you get the mythical blue check mark. And guess who I've outsourced the questions on this one to? Matt Broughton. Of course. Very good. Okay, then it should be a decent game. Uh, and and finally, just when you thought the American Poker Awards were just finished, James, I've been sent the nomination shortlist for the European Poker Awards. Have you got the shortlist some- or the long list? Because I was on the nominating panel, so I've seen the long list and I've made my selections of what should be on the shortlist. It's, uh, I got a long list, but I believe it was the long... Some of the lists were long, but they were for the nominations themselves. Right. So I think we're in the so, same situation where we are on the nominating panel. Yes, and then, correct. And then the nominations themselves will be announced shortly, and then there'll be the jury on the night that decides. Sure. And we can discuss this a little bit more next episode, but there are some names on there you just might recognize from being involved with the EPT and EPT Not Live. So more on that later. And just one thing left to say for myself, Joe Stapleton, and my work wife, James Hardigan. Follow your rainbow. But you better listen